let's dive right in. Romans 14, if you guys go there. First one. So it's the law of liberty. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak only eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let him let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Verse 4, Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. So, we're all at different spots in our walk with God. We all, you know, we're all different. We're called the different standards. Um, you know, you can't judge anyone. You don't know where, where they're at. You don't know their, their past. Um, we, actually, we actually saw a movie yesterday. It was real cool. There was a quote on there. It said, uh, how does it go? It said, uh, yeah, it said, uh, it said, you think about loving your enemies. So you don't, as soon as you know and understand your enemy, you love them. And so I was just thinking about that with this too, you know, uh, not really your enemies, but just people you don't really, you don't really understand. Well, once you start to understand them, you can really start to love them and have compassion for them. Anyways, uh, you know, you don't know the level of sacrifice that someone has in their own heart either. You know, I remember like back when, back when uh, the Lord was just calling me to live for Him, and I, it was after high school. I was partying with my friends every night and drinking and and smoking stuff, and uh, <laughs> I won't say what. But anyways, so the, this girl that I like, she went to this house of prayer in Amarillo, and so I started. I I went there one night and uh, just really spent time in the prayer room and. I just really felt the presence of the Lord, and so, so I was like, the next night I went out and hung out with my friends, did the same stuff, smoked the same stuff, and drank the same stuff, and uh, at, two, at like two in the morning before I went home, I went to the house of prayer again and spent some time with the Lord, and so that happened for like two weeks, anyways, um, you know, and then I chose that I had to live for the Lord, but anyways, uh, my point is, if someone would have came and saw that, seen Oh well, look at look at where he's at, and what it and you know he's he's going and partying and then coming to this house of prayer, but in my heart was so much sacrifice. I was really you know the Lord used that, and so it was you know if someone came and said something to me, if they were to come and judge me for that, it would have been detrimental. You know I don't know if I would have been would be standing here right now. So you know like my friend my friend Shad he was when he was really coming to the Lord he had a cocaine addiction so for like it was months before he got off this when he was he was really taking steps towards the Lord you know and uh then the Lord just gave him grace to get off cocaine and someone could have just looked at that and said you know just judged him for that and so i just want us to you know just uh i mean take a look at our own hearts and make sure we don't judge other people and you know know where know where each other are at you know so, I'm trying to be as organized as possible here. Hold on. Yeah, some, sometimes the most... What's that? Okay. Sometimes the most sacrificial times in people's lives and hearts will look rebellious, hypocritical, and foolish. So, um, you know, we're all at different phases of our life. You know, I remember, remember uh, you know, there's one spot in my life where the Lord is just really calling me to just move closer to him, like I started, I was watching the same TV shows, and then I just started feeling convicted on that. The Holy Spirit was really 
speaking to me on that. And I was, you know, I, I couldn't watch the same stuff that I used to. And uh, do you guys ever get a revelation like that? And then the very next day, you see someone watching that TV show and you're just like, oh, you sinner, you know. <laughs> like, you start, you start judging people from the revelation deliverance you just got yesterday. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe, maybe just me, but. All right, well, let's turn to Romans 14, 14. 14, 14. All right, so Paul says, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with the food. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. So we have to follow our own convictions. You know, the Holy Spirit leads people differently. You know, it's going to be different for Tracy than it is for me. So um, I like what we were talking about this morning. We, Tracy taught us this morning in our EJS class. You know, in the Old Testament, the law was their, their standards, their boundaries, you know. But now it's, it's the Holy Spirit. So it's amazing that we get to just live by our own convictions. And so again, you know, you, you don't know what... If somebody says the Lord told him this, I mean, unless it goes against Scripture, then maybe the Lord did tell him that. That looks like looks like some crazy things sometimes, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we need to be we need to be aware and conscientious of the weaker believers around us, you know. Um, it's more than just oh, well, they're just being religious, you know. I mean, it's easy for us to say that, but I mean, we. We need to just have love for each other. The humility that it takes. I mean, Paul said he did all things for the sake of the gospel. Did all, all things around all people for the sake of the gospel. And, I mean, when he was with the weak believers that only ate vegetables, he didn't pull out a big T-bone and start gnawing on that thing. You know what I mean? He was... <laughs> I mean, he did it, in, and he knew. He knew his theology was right. That's the crazy part. He didn't go and just... And just try to say, and, oh, well, I'm backing it up with scripture. Because he used to, I, I mean, if, I mean, this is where the Lord's really maturing me too. I mean, if, if I'm, if I know my theology is right, and I can like back it up with scripture, I want to go argue that point and just argue it and be like, oh, look here, you know. So, but it, it goes beyond that. Um, let me see here. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a difference between a weak, immature believer and a stubborn religious believer, too. Yeah. I'm not going to get into that today, but... <laughs> so, I'll leave that one for you, Jeremy. But <laughs> yeah, Paul knew his theology was right and still sacrificed in humility and love for others. You know someone has the best theology in the room by the way they love. I mean, love is bigger than theology. And arguing with people can put a fence in their heart, you know. I think the Lord was really showing me this like two days ago. Um, yeah, just, I mean, arguing with someone that, when you, when people, when you argue with someone, that's really just going to make them go and uh, find more evidence to argue their case. They're not going <laughs> to, it really doesn't change their mind, you know. You're not going to convince somebody into the kingdom, you know what I mean? So... So, um, I mean, like my dad, I, I would like, tell, something crazy would happen to me, like I'd see some cool healing or something like this, and 
I would, I'd call my dad up and be like, this just happened, you know, this, this healing or whatever. And he's like, well, their mind wanted to believe so badly that it made them believe. And then, you know, so I wait for another awesome story, one better than that first one. And I call my dad up and I'm like, oh, how's he going to, you know, acquit this one? So <laughs> tell him that story. And sure enough, he comes up with something to not believe that one. And it was like, you know, I've just given up on trying to argue with him. I just want to love him and, yeah. and change his heart that way. Mm-hmm. So, and when you actually argue with people, it, you know, it, it puts the, it, it can put offense in their heart. And it can really just block the Holy Spirit's voice in that area, you know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, humility opens people's hearts up. I mean, if you, rather than arguing with someone, if I go and if I praise them, be like, well, man, I'm just, I'm just glad that what the Lord's doing in your life, you know, that's really just going to just open their heart up and, and really just point them back to the Holy Spirit and to the Father. Then they're going to be open to the voice, you know. So, I mean, it's not going to be your convincing, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, the Lord told me humility is contagious. So, that's what the Lord told me a couple of days ago, too. And, uh, you know, he says, he says, be quick to apologize. I think it's, is it James that says that? Be quick to apologize? Somewhere. Maybe I'm making that up. <laughs> Bible of Jared. Chapter. But anyways, uh... <laughs> Yeah, third, third Corinthians. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I mean, humility, humility apologizes when it doesn't have to. You know what I mean? I was thinking, I had a, a story this week. I was, uh, I'm a waiter at a restaurant, for those of y'all who don't know. Anyways, I work at Texas Roadhouse. So we have all those peanut shells on the floor, right? We got to sweep them up at the end of the night. It sucks, but anyway, so, so the other night, I was, uh, I was front check. I have to basically check everyone's tables, make sure they swept it, so they have to come in and get my signature, da-da-da. Anyways, this girl, um, so if, if you pick up someone else's table, and that's the last table, like if they don't want to take that table, they pick it up, they have to sweep that table. So anyways, this, uh, this girl, Jessie, picked up this guy Nadim's table, and she had it last, so it was going to be her responsibility to sweep it. Well, anyways... So Nadim leaves because he already did his stuff, and that table's still all messy. She gets me to check her section. I'm like, well, what about that table over there? And she's like, she's like, no, I don't think I had that one last. And I went and I called Nadim. I know just, but I didn't know if it was her for sure. So Nadim was like, yeah, she had it. And so I went and I was like, well, Nadim said that you had the table last. And she's like, she's like, whatever, I didn't, but I'll just do it anyway, whatever. And I'm kind of like, all right, walking away. You're darn right, you will. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. I mean, she had it last, so <laughs> it was her responsibility, you know. Anyways, so she sweeps the table. She sweeps it, gets come gets me, and and uh, she's just finishing up sweeping. And I didn't owe her anything. I didn't, you know, it was her responsibility to owe it. But I knew she kind of had an offense in her heart towards me. I said, Jesse, thank you for sweeping that table. She she's like, yeah. And the offense was just removed from her heart, you know. I mean, and that was. I didn't owe her that. I'm not trying to be arrogant or anything, but that's awesome. yeah, that's that's all I got. I don't have a line for being done. But uh, oh, Jeremy wanted me to. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy wanted me to share a, a testimony real quick too. 
Um, well, we get these AMPS assignments from Vince, basically, to go out and do stuff throughout the week. Anyways, one of our assignments was we had to get a few word, words of knowledge. So a couple weeks ago, a couple weekends ago, I uh, I never really had a word of knowledge before. Maybe I, I have, and I just didn't know it. Like for, but uh, not for like physical healing. We had to we had to heal what three people two by word of knowledge. So I went and I was working with this opening up the restaurant with this girl Chantel. Said, hey, do you have a, you have a pain in your shoulder right here coming down, or your neck coming down to your shoulder? She's like, yeah. So I went and prayed for it, and it it halfway got healed. I prayed for it throughout the night, and um, still had some pain. But a couple hours later, my manager James, I was like, hey man, do you have a you have a pain right here in your back? And he was like, yeah, I do. And then I was like, all right, let's pray for that thing. So I prayed for it, and same thing. Half got it got it healed a little bit. Felt a little better, he said, but. Um, so like like five minutes after that, I'm throwing some stuff away in a trash can, and this girl comes and and she's like on on to go, is making to go orders, on to go orders. Okay. Anyways, she uh she says, um she's like she's throwing some away. She's like oh, she. <laughs> I've never seen anyone do that. On. Anyways, let's move past that. Okay. <laughs> like we're never letting him speak again. <laughs> so. Anyways, we, yeah, she's throwing something in the trash. She's like, she's like, oh, my back hurts. You know, just saying it for whoever wants to hear, I guess. She didn't see me praying for those other people. Anyways, so, so I go, I'm like, I'm like, hey, can I pray for your back? She's like, ha, 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 laughs at me. I'm like, no, for real, let me pray for your back. She's like, all right. So I just pray a quick prayer. All the pain goes away, you know. I'm like, I'm like, awesome. So I felt like this guy at my table, it's different with my tables, too, because you can't really be all crazy on them, but anyways, I feel like he has some, some right wrist pain, so I wait till the very end of the check, because I don't know how I'm going to save myself if I'm wrong, so it'll be, things will be awkward, so I'm like, hey man, do you, have, do you have some pain in your right wrist? He's like, yeah, I do, and like his wife was like, like how do you know that, you know, and so I, pr I pray for, or I pray for him, I'm like, I'm not going to make a big scene, can I pray for you? I feel like the Lord said that he wouldn't have any more wrist pain, but you know, um, so anyways, the next day, I was like, Lord, I want to get a word of knowledge before I go into work. And so I felt like he told me there would be this lady with uh, headaches and migraines. And I felt like she'd, I didn't, wasn't going to limit to this, but I felt like she'd like sit on the left side of the booth, have black hair. And uh, so anyways, I get to, I get to work and <laughs> uh, I get to work and um, I kind of forget about it. But then I get this table, left side of the booth, this lady, black hair. And I'm like, oh, I think this is the one. So again, I'm like, I wait till the very end of the check because that's gonna be weird if I'm wrong. So um, I'm like, I'm like, hey, you get you get frequent headaches and migraines, don't you? She's like, yeah, I do. How do you know that? I was like, God showed me that this morning. I was like, man, He loves you so much. And I was like, let me pray for you. He's gonna He's gonna take all his headaches and migraines away. And I was like, let me pray for you. And she's like, okay. <laughs> so I pray for her. And, uh, and, um, and then I just start prophesying to her and speaking life into her. And she's like, tears are just welling up in her eyes. And she's like trying so hard not to cry. Just trying so hard to hold it back. Man, it was, it was awesome. Oh, let me tell one more. It's 20 seconds long. I'm sorry. So anyways, I'm driving home, right? And uh, yeah, I, and Jeremy had just encouraged us to to let, you know, dare God to start prophesying to us and everything. And so I said, a, you know, street signs, whatever. So I, I said the prayer to God, forgot about it. Anyways, I'm, I'm almost home. I'm just sitting 
Uh, so my car, the license plate in front of me says JHN937. So I get home, I kind of forget about it. And I'm like, oh yeah. So I go to John 937 and ah, crap, I don't want to, I want to, it says, uh, oh yeah, it says, it's red letters, Jesus is speaking. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you, exclamation point. So, yeah. So, so I really just want to like honor my leaders, Vince and Jeremy. I mean, they're, they just really just bring the gold out of you, you know? And uh, if you're thinking about doing AJS, it is it's so worth it. Just, these guys are so honorable and, you know, really transform your life. So that's all I got. That was awesome, Jared. Man, I didn't even want to come up here. It's like, he is bringing it. Bring him back. Bring him back. <laughs> Woo. That was so cool. You know, I had a, when you're talking about when you first started coming around to the Lord and just coming out of whatever party and you were coming out of, I had a prodigal son uh, season of my life too, where I was just a real rebellious kid to the Lord. And uh, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that brought me, you know, back into relationship with him. And uh, I was so zealous for Jesus, just in love with him. And I was going to church and stuff. And for like a couple months, you know, I'd, I would have a different pair of pants on this, at this one service that I hadn't worn in a little while. And I would stick my hands in my pocket and there would be like, drugs in my pocket and I'm in church. <laughs> I've got drugs in my pocket and I'm in church. Okay. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> 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 I have to like sneak back to the bathroom. <laughs> oh yeah. Another one of my, another one of my friends, uh, when he, when the Lord really brought him into the kingdom, he, um, he was addicted to uh, narcotic-level painkillers, and he had a way to get them without a uh, legit prescription. And, and uh, man, he, would, he came to the Lord and started having encounters with Jesus and, and just really getting radically changed by the Lord, not even thinking about the painkillers he was taking. And uh, it, it was a few months later um, that he was driving down the road and um, he said he had an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus was riding shotgun. And uh, Jesus pointed down at the center console to my buddy's bottle of pills and said, you can throw, the, you can throw those out now. And he just started weeping. And he picked up his bottle of pills and tossed them out the window. What wrecked him the most is that Jesus hadn't judged him for the last two months and hadn't stopped meeting with him. There was power present for him to be delivered in that moment. And it was the kindness that did it. <clears throat> uh, Jared also mentioned uh, just, you know, judging people. Um, and there's this, there's this law of love in the universe, because God is love. So, that, so when you choose love, you know, love comes back on you. And if you choose selfishness, well, bad stuff comes back on you. It, it is, it's the law of reciprocity or reaping and sowing. And it's such a true law of the universe that even unbelievers know it. They just call it karma. Yeah. 
this is this is a, this is the real deal. It's reaping and sowing. Luke 6:37 actually goes so far to say, "Do not judge and you won't be judged. Do not condemn and you won't be condemned." forgive and you'll be forgiven. And then it goes into a, a verse that we use a lot when we're um, you know, giving an offering and it says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, running over, will be poured into your lap. Um, and it's this, it's this law of, um, of the Lord and it's, it's his love. It's, it's really his love acting out um, in our lives. And um, I'm always amazed when, when people... I guess amazed is the wrong word. It's just funny when people are in positions as a worker or, um, or whatever position they're in, and they're the type of person that is real judgmental or uh, disrespectful to their boss, dishonoring of, of other people. And, and somehow they get into a position of authority themselves, and they're shocked when people don't honor them when their subordinates are disrespectful to them. They're like, what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> well, it, judgment, we, we think that what we're doing is, you know, using the sword of the spirit against people or launching arrows of truth, but what we're doing is throwing boomerangs when we judge. And they come back <laughs> with a vengeance. <laughs> and it's because we have a good dad that disciplines us. It's a bad sign when you're not getting disciplined. <laughs> um, and I was an especially rebellious, disrespectful little snot growing up. <laughs> I mean, I could tell you tons of stories, but I'll just tell you this one. In ninth grade, my uh, social studies teacher on the first day of class made this random, I mean, he introduced himself and yada, 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 yada. And then he said, oh, by the way, don't draw on any of the tables. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I said, I love art. And so I was like, this is artwork. <laughs> you know, and I'm drawing all over my table right after he gives that one rule. Because folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod will draw it out. <laughs> and... <clears throat> <laughs> Anyway, so he walks over and catches me. I wasn't trying to hide it. He's like, Jeremy, I told you don't draw on the table. He's like, you're going to have to stay after class and clean the whole room. And so he, class gets out and leaves me a bottle of Windex. I dump it out on his chair. Oh, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I was a little snot. And so obviously, I really can't go back to my ninth grade teacher and like try to make things right. You know, it's, it's up in Michigan. I don't know if he's still a teacher there. I can't even remember his last name. But what we can do now that we are redeemed children of God is recognize all those moments and just repent and say, Lord, snatch those boomerangs out of the air. I knew not what I was doing, <laughs> Lord. Because uh, we are really in an age of rebellion where rebellion is broadcast as this positive thing, this question of authority. And every one of us are shaped by attitudes of, of rebellion. But since coming to Christ, we're actually bondservants, slaves, also sons of God. And so we actually gave up our rights. And so that mentality has to be shot in the head. Um, our way of thinking has to be transformed. Because even Jesus submitted to a man. 
Jesus submitted to an unjust, corrupt system run by men that were full of all sorts of demonic problems. He, he submitted to them. Jesus, when he was standing, uh, he was about to be crucified um, before Pilate, and he says, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sins. So Jesus recognized something that a lot of us miss, and that's that the way that we re relate to the authority over us on earth is the way that we're submitting to God. There's this uh, centurion in Matthew chapter 8 that actually um, shocked Jesus by how cool he was. Uh, this eight, Matthew 8 uh, verses 5 through 13. He entered Capernaum and a centurion came to him, appealing to him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I'll come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come underneath my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's your calling. He, you guys realize that you can impress the Lord. You can actually do things that make him go, whoa. <laughs> he marveled and he said, I tell you the truth. No, in, no one in Israel have I found with such great faith. That is a serious indictment. I mean, that is a, sucker punch is the wrong word, but it is a, I mean, it really hit home because he's talking about a Roman who is, you know, part of the army, part of the nation that has Israel subdued. And he turns to Israel, who are supposed to be people of faith, and says, this Roman has more faith than all of you. And he recognized something that is really easy to miss. So when he, he's a centurion, which means that he's in charge of at least 100 soldiers, century 100, yes. He's in charge of at least 100 soldiers, and so he's a person of authority. He's a big deal. But when he described himself, he said, I'm a man under authority, with soldiers under me. That's why when I say to this one, he does it. See, the soldiers underneath him, they don't really fear just that one man. They fear that one man because that one man is rightly related to the king, Caesar, where all authority comes down. And he, I mean, if, if a soldier disobeys the centurion, he can be beheaded. Just like if you were to get pulled over by a police officer and he stepped in front of your car for some reason, I'm sure they're trained not to do that. But if the thought can come into your head, well, I can just... And I've got the power to take this guy out right now. But why, why don't we do that? Because we're Christians. <laughs> we're Christians. <laughs> 
Because you fear his authority. He is rightly related to the government that can put you in a bad jail in Texas that believes in the death penalty. <laughs> he is rightly related to it. You fear what that badge means. That's why you don't, because in that moment you have more power than him. You could kill him with your car because he's, he's just a man on his feet. But he has the authority to make your life miserable. See, this guy re recognized that Jesus was rightly related to authority over him. So when Jesus spoke to angels, they went. That's why I said, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. It's like in that movie, Brother Bear. There's that, that <laughs> tiny bear cub, and he has a big brother bear, a full-grown bear. And the little bear cub is being chased down by like a mountain lion, and so he's running as fast as he can. <laughs> but he gets to the point where like he runs into a rock wall, and, and he hears the mountain lion you know, breathing down his neck, and so he turns and faces what's probably going to be his doom. And this, you know, little cub bear gets up on his hind legs and, and decides he's going to let out the biggest roar, you know, he's got. But he's just a baby bear. But what comes out of him is this huge roar. And the lion tucks tail, terrified, and runs. And the little bear's like, huh, didn't know I had it in me. And then he turns around and realizes his brother bear is behind him. See, when we're rightly related to our big brother, when we roar, he roars, and all the demons in hell will run. But you have to be rightly related to your authority over you on earth in order to be submitted to God in heaven. You can see this in the life of Daniel. You can see this in the life of David. Daniel is, no, I'm not going to get into it. David, <laughs> he's got a prophecy. He knows he's supposed to be king, but Saul is hunting him down for like 13 years. And King Saul, okay, so David and his mighty men are hiding, hiding in a cave, and King Saul comes along tr hunting him down. He's trying to kill David, and he's got thousands of men with him, choice men of Israel coming to kill David. And Saul goes into this cave where David and his men are hiding, but Saul goes in there to relieve himself, which is a really bad position to be in when your enemy is in there with a sword. You know, you can trip over your loincloth. <laughs> <laughs> And, and David cuts a corner off Saul's robe and his heart smites him. He's literally deeply troubled, troubled by the disrespect that he just showed his leader, who is a demonized bad leader, who is trying to murder him for no reason. And he convinces all of his men to not kill Saul. And then Saul goes out of the cave, and David comes out after him and gets down on his face and says, See, my Lord, the corner of your robe is in my hand, so now you can see that I have no evil in my heart against you. My men were trying to tell me to kill you, but I didn't. This proves it. But his heart smote him because he uncovered his leader just a little bit. And guys, we're professionals at this. Just snipping corners off. I'm, I'm, myself, am a professional robe corner snipper. 
and we call it discernment or protecting the church. And so we'll throw out this little judgment about a leader. And what you're essentially doing is snipping off a corner of his robe. And when the church gets behind you, it'll get to the point where that leader is naked and exposed. Noah, he's the guy that built the boat full of animals. That had to have been a terrible 40 days and 40 nights. I just have three children in one house. I can't imagine the amount of manure that this guy had to deal with. <laughs> and, and just rocking back and forth. I mean, it didn't have an engine or a rudder. So he's just at the mercy of the waves for 40 days, 40 nights. Finally, they hit ground and Noah brews beer. He's like, I'm going to go make my favorite brew. <laughs> Seriously, this is in the Bible. Go check it out. He makes beer, gets hammered, plastered drunk, butt naked, laying on the ground in his tent. The flaps open. He's got three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Ham comes walking by the tent. Sees in the tent. He's like, whoa, whoa. Dad's drunk again. I gotta go get my brothers. I gotta see this. This is hilarious. And he goes and gets Shem and Japheth and brings them over. He's like, guys, you gotta check this out. Dad's hammered, passed out drunk, passed out naked. And Shem and Japheth get there and they grab a blanket and walk in backwards with it between them until they cover their father. They would not look upon his nakedness. They would not entertain the accusations or the exposure of their leader. Why don't we give honor more often? Seriously. What's holding us back from really honoring one another? I think that at the heart of it, we might be concerned that there won't be enough honor left for us at the end of the day. Think about it. If, if you're in a situation with coworkers, and there's two of you, you know, up for the, the, the same position, and you're the kind of guy just bragging about how awesome other people are and honoring them and helping them out, would you think in that moment, well, maybe I'll tone down my honor just a little bit so... Uh, the, the boss doesn't think this guy is more cool than me and that guy gets the promotion over me. Right? That, I mean, those are the kinds of things that sometimes creep into our mind. Or um, you're in a church and there's seven worship leaders or something like that and, and, and you're in a situation where, um, you know, you want to... Uh, you want to be used more. You're one of the worship leaders and, and you want to get on, and on more of those worship sets. Um, so, so you hold back all the, the praise and the honor. And when people are talking about how good the other worship leaders are, you're just kind of like, yeah, I mean, they're a little off key, but yeah. <laughs> it's because you are afraid that there's not going to be honor left for you, that there's not going to be promotion left for you. But the word says that when you pour it out, it will be poured back on you. 
It is the Lord that promotes. And if we use the force of our soul or any kind of manipulation or hiding or withholding honor to get into a position, those are the tools you'll have to use to stay in that position. And it will suffocate and kill you. It will be a yoke that is not easy and light. It will be a burden that drags you down. Because the Lord didn't promote. You promoted yourself. I can say this because I've done it. <laughs> I've been dragged down by the uh, honor that I've placed on my own shoulders. Dang. Wow. Jesus. All right. Um, honor, actually, uh, in the New Testament is often just money or honorarium. Uh, when, when Mary burst into the room with a $50,000 jug of perfume. She poured it on Jesus in a way where it could not be retrieved. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Everyone's just ragging on her, saying, you dummy, we could have used that to start our homeless ministry. We could have done all kinds of good stuff with 50 grand. Why would you just get rid of it like that? And Jesus says, leave her alone. What, she has done a great thing, or she has done an honor of me to prepare me for burial beforehand. And you know that when uh, Jesus was hanging on that cross and everyone deserted him, except for you know, John and, and a gaggle of Marys, <laughs> there are like three Marys at the cross. There's a teaching in there. Mary means bitterness. Jesus surrounded himself with bitterness. So anyway, he's, <laughs> he's hanging on the cross, deserted by everyone, in the most kind of agonizing pain you can imagine, betrayed, hurting inside and out. And in that moment, he's hanging there, hearing the accuser say to him, Jesus, why this waste? You could have been a great traveling preacher. You could have written books about walking on water and healing the sick. You had a good 40, 50 years in front of you where you could have been ministering to the lost sheep of Israel and brought in a huge harvest. Why this waste, Jesus? And in that moment when he's deserted by everyone and in the most kind of pain, the only thing that he had was this aroma coming off of his skin. And it smelled like honor. He had been honored by Mary's love, by that $50,000 bottle of perfume that she poured out on him. And you know, he went into heaven in that same body. Anybody ever smelled the fragrance of the Lord show up? It's Mary's perfume. That is the ultimate graffiti tag. For all eternity, Jesus smells like Mary's love. See, this is the kind of honor that our King gives out to us. He smells like Mary's perfume. He sits on David's throne. He doesn't even have his own throne. King David established it. And it says that he is seated on the throne of David. When he was thirsty, Jesus, God himself, refreshed himself at Jacob's well. 
Jesus was refreshed by the life of Jacob. He rests on David's throne and smells like the devotion of Mary. He is not afraid to dole out honor to us. We should never fear honoring one another. See, it's easy to think, well, what Mary did is awesome because we have the Bible. You know, it's 2,000 years later and Jesus, you know, straightens it out for us and says what she's done is an honorable thing. You know, it's for my burial beforehand. But if we were in that room, we would have been like, what an idiot. That's her, that's $50,000. See, like, if, if I had a $50,000 bottle of cognac right now, and like, just thought Matthew needed to be honored in front of y'all, and I just went and dumped 50 grand worth of like Louis V out of Napoleon's collection cognac on him. <laughs> You'd be like, no! <laughs> he doesn't even have a glass in his hand. You're just get, dumping it out. It's ir you can't get it back, Jeremy. The least that we do under one of these, you do unto him. When we boldly, extravagantly honor and build one, one another up, we are boldly, extravagantly honoring him and he'll never forget it.